Undercurrent. Bluetooth mode has been on. This is Undercurrent's weekend. <laughs> it's Undercurrent's weekend. I'm Greg McVicker. Bob Dorn is with us. He's our resident. What? Resident what? <laughs> You're always sort of stuck. It's, what does this guy do? Culture vulture. I mean, you know. Cult, that's good. Good. Culture vulture. Music I like writer, that. photographer, Except, I don't chef. Know, I don't know if I like the term vulture. <laughs> I know, just rhymes. It's, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But vultures, uh, they're looking for carrion or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was at Reggae on the River, and I ran into friends who were playing there. And we went in the back section, sort of the backstage, the, these tents that is the staging area for Reggae on the River. And... Um, and I ended up uh, in the tent with Fishbone. You're familiar with Fishbone. It's kind of Vegas, the ska, yeah. funk, mm-hmm. uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sound of funk is the bass player and the stuff that he's doing with the bass. And uh, Norwood Fisher is the bass player in this band. Thus the name Fishbone. And I was talking about, well... Well, could I interview you really quickly? Because he was just checking out all the the connections on this board. Attached to it were maybe 20 different effects pedals. Uh. And I had him sit down. I said, you know, I think this would be interesting. Could you explain what all these things are? And one by one, he worked his way around the circle. Wow. He said, oh, is this one, you know, because whoosh, Thing, and this one is a flanger, and this one is, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that I didn't understand. But you know, it's like, and it, it, for him, it was his potential. He could sponsor, you know, say thanks because these are things that somebody had given him yeah. to, you know, they want to say, Fishbone uses such and such. Right. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, I, I I didn't ever really have a destination for that piece of. Tape, well, let's use it on the it. podcast. Yeah, yeah, to get yeah. Out. that'd be awesome. It's, it's, I find it funny the, the terminology. Now I'm in the podcast world a little bit, and you know, my friend is doing. We're doing another series of podcasts mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. She's, oh yeah, I got really good tape. Yeah, you know, yeah, tape. Yeah, we still tape. call it tape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay, but what else are you going to call it? You know, yeah, I, I got some really good samples. Well, it's not just a sample; it's it's like an extended sample. No, like, never tape. mind. It's tape. Yeah, yeah. Roll tape. Yeah, Jimmy, roll tape. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so you were, we were talking. We, 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 we were talking about skateboarding. Skate. Well, skateboarding. You're the first person I ever knew with a skateboard. Yeah, I I actually. Made my own skateboard by getting an old roller skate and like nailing it down to a little piece of board because I thought it was a really cool stuff. Board, yes. I get it. It was. It was literally <laughs> a skateboard. Did it have square corners or did you round it off? No, it's just like a little piece. It was something beyond a little piece of two by four. It was a, it was a four by four, not very long, not too thick. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just something I had sitting around in the garage yeah. with my dad's projects or something and my dad said I could have that I mean it was literally held together by nails well you lived on this treacherously steep street well, too did you ever ride it, there it there was two different things going one is like uh, you to get to my house where you get to my house was up a steep hill and that was pretty gnarly hill but then when you got to the top of the hill 
then you went down to go into our driveway in the carport. Yeah. So there was a nice, gentle smooth, slope, gentle slope right. and there what you know it, uh, at some point around the time skateboarding happened was when we had that all paved. Perfect ramp. Yeah, it was paved with asphalt mm -hmm. and uh you know we could get up there and it wasn't very long of a of a it's just as long as our driveway was. Yeah. But it was really fun. And uh, and then we... Um, when was this about? This is like 64. It came together with around the time that the Beach Boys were becoming mm -hmm. popular. And simultaneously, the Beatles were about to happen. They and Jan and Dean sidewalk surfing? Yeah, and that's it. That's a, That was where I got the idea for skateboarding. I read about it, and I ended up... Actually, I had a I had a subscription to Skateboard Magazine, which was put up by Surfer Magazine, which is the the Bible of surfers. You know, it's it's interesting. Being a fan of the Beach Boys was partly that I was fascinated by surfing, but we didn't live that close to the coast. You know, fairly fairly close, but for a kid, it's not wasn't like you could walk out the back door and go down to the beach. No. So this my way of uh, entering into the world of surfing. Did was, you have Madras shirts? Yes, absolutely. Bleeding Madras. Weren't those beautiful, though? I yes. Mean, I've been looking ever since for something like that, and those were beautiful shirts. When you, when the ultimate was you get one with these cool colors, and you know you get them uh, Costco imports. Not, uh, you still can? Brand name. You can I don't know if they still have them. I doubt it. But they were a type of material that ran, mm -hmm. so the the colors would become muted. Yeah, and uh, I was yeah, and they just sort of glowed from within. They were beautiful from from India, some kind of very thin yeah. cotton, yeah, plaid. Yeah, and mm -hmm. uh, anyway, in the record area, it's like that was my first album that I bought was Beach Boys. I'll get around. Or Beach Boys All Summer Long was the name of the album. The The hit single was I'll Get Around. You know, I still to this day love the sound. And amazingly enough, coming up at uh, Center Arts at Arcata, Brian Wilson. Wow. He's going to be the right. The man. Yeah, he's going to be playing like right down the street from me. Uh, Can you get I, an interview? I, 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 you know, I, I, you try. I'm going to work on it. Yeah, I'm going to work on it. I'm, maybe I, maybe I'll uh, or at least an ID. <laughs> maybe I can, uh, if I could get through to him of my story of how uh, my mm -hmm. first record was. Uh, Did you collect records at that time, or I, I? Well, when I was a kid, I inherited. You know, being the I was the third kid. My sisters were older than me, and my parents collected records. Actually, my uncle, my mom's little brother, who he died very young. He had problems with his kidney, and it was before a lot of the modern things. Mm -hmm. And I think he died at like just out of high school. Wow! But he had been a drummer, and uh, he was way into like. Count Basie and the, that kind of uh, swing. He's, he, that was, he was in the swing, yeah. Interesting side note, the very first record I bought with my own money, 
hits of the 50s and 60s by Count Basie. Yeah. And then the next record I bought was Chairman of the Board by Count Basie. And then the next record I bought, I think, was a Beatles record. So yeah. I can relate. Yeah. I, I think of um, when I go to a party, this is, you know, back in the day of records, didn't have somebody just plugging in their iPhone to right. the sound system or something like that. Bluetooth. But, you know, I, I was, I'm sure you were doing the same thing. I would become the DJ for the party mm-hmm. because nobody was interested in that. Yeah. I was interested in the music. Yeah. And I'd be at somebody's house and I would, you know, the 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 front, the, the music they listened to the most was the latest uh, pop, you know, not pop, but folk rock, whatever. There would be a stack of records yeah, leaning the, against the bookshelf yeah. or something, and the ones in the front were the ones well, most the ones, commonly yeah, played. Then that, that's where you'd find Jefferson Airplane or Creedence Clearwater yeah. Yeah. or Blue Cheer or something like that. But I was always interested. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I was I was always interested in what was all the way in the back that they yeah. never listened to, and you find some really interesting stuff back there. It's like timey kangaroo down boys, <laughs> Roger Miller, King of the Road. Yeah, that's where you find their their you know Ravi Shankar album that mm-hmm. somebody bought them, and it's, you know, well, this is a little odd, but I loved Ravi Shankar. Yeah. You know, I have in my car, you know, I, I just got a new car and um, I've kind of switched my musical thing around a lot because pri- previous to that, my Toyota from 90, 99 Toyota and it only had a cassette player. So I had, I started going to yard sales and mm-hmm. I buy these cassettes for a quarter. That's the value of a cassette player, yeah. you know. And, but they still sound good, don't they? And yeah. That, somehow you know, cassettes have so, managed so to survive just, the ravages you know, I, of time. I have this, uh, I kind of reverted back to that old technology, which interestingly enough, there's you know young hipsters who are doing the same thing. They're mm-hmm. you know we have people that record undercurrents during the week, and they listen for the number, show number thirty two eighty nine, whatever. They download the playlist, print it out fold it up, stuff it in a cassette box, throw it in their truck or whatever, in, in the glove box. And uh, I hear, I've hear i heard from multiple people that do this, and they wherever they go, they've got a show and the playlist. Yeah, so I, I collected two or three of those uh, zippered containers that were b- designed for cassettes yeah you know so i could throw them in the back of the case car. logic yeah but um it, it's interesting to me when i go to when i go to portland which go see my son up who lives up there he's a he's his friends are all the music world and in the particular the record world mm-hmm. the vinyl shops and the there's a whole, whole world of records that people are, you know, collecting and trading and internationally of these old records and classic stuff, but also coming to, coming around again to people of new records coming out and you go to a show and the merch table has an album mm-hmm. that's, you know, a CD or you can buy a, a LP of it. With a purple 
Yeah. Or, or if they were a real quick kind of hip indie band, then they might have a cassette. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Um, I don't know. It's not my own personal idea. I didn't think this up. But I read a, a piece online that was going around. It was about um, a lot of people, probably maybe even most of the cassettes are things that people buy at shows and they don't have a cassette player. Hmm. And But the cassette comes with the download code. Hmm. So you can put it, the same music in your phone. Mm-hmm. But you, because you want to, it's sort of like giving a tip to the band. Mm-hmm. So you want to support the band on the road. You know, that's that's the... That's how they make their living yeah. these days. Yeah. It, it is really... It, after all these years of down, downloading piracy, it's the least you can do. You know? Yeah. John Craigie. He's a young, like 20-something guy. Uh, I think he came from... Musician? Yeah, musician, mm-hmm. guitar player, songwriter. He kind of writes these songs or story songs. And um, he was up here. I actually had him on the radio show on um, KHSU. Mm-hmm. Put on live and uh, anyway, he um, you go to his show and he had his new newest album out and uh, it was on a uh, you could buy it on a thumb drive mm-hmm. or you could buy another thumb drive which was his, his whole catalog wow. for like forty bucks mm-hmm. like you know t- ten different albums. It's easy to spend forty bucks at a concert between a T-shirt and a you know. Well, I a you snack. Know, yeah, so. I, I I particularly because a lot of times I'm comped into the show. I didn't mm-hmm. pay to get in, and I well the money that I might have paid for that ticket, I should buy some merch. So I, mm-hmm. I I make a point of always buying something from the merch table, and I do sort of a survey of what how people are doing merch. You know, the bands that are really successful have really good merch, and they have somebody on their staff who, you know, is part of the road group. Oh, that's their thing, their, yeah. their job is to take care of... Like what? Get, what has struck you as being particularly well, inventive or effective merch? Okay, here's here's one. And these guys are about to come back to Humboldt State. Uh, Yonder Mountain String Band. Okay. And they're from Colorado. I've seen that a couple of times. They're yeah. very good. And, yeah. and interestingly enough, I follow them... Over the years, from the very beginning, they played a show at the Arcane Community Center uh, as the opening act for Leftover Salmon, mm-hmm. another Colorado. Uh, Known as a jam band. Yeah, jam band. Yeah. yeah. At the time, I just called them sort of raggedy hippie bluegrass band, mm-hmm. and they weren't two together. They were just getting started. Sure. And since then, boom. Yeah, they have not just gotten together. They've gotten really, really good. Right. But really have worked the how do you make it in the music business today? Do stuff like they did. Like Back to the merch table. What have they done? Well, the merch table, you could buy half a dozen different t shirts. You could buy a, a like a blanket with the thing. Festival gear. Yeah, festival gear. Um, they had, of course, a whole line of, of CDs and uh, 
C- live CDs, mm-hmm. which they have a whole other thing with the live. They take the show. There's a couple of years where they they put out a series of albums where every single show that they did. Wow. Um, but they had this is an interesting piece of little merch lore. They had this thing. It was a button. It's like a badge. You like a pin back badge you wear, yeah. and it said. Uh, it you know it said yonder mountain and whatever some tw- tweaked picture of a of a stringed instrument, and it had built into it their latest EP. <laughs> it was like you know uh, you could <laughs> like a thumb drive kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. it was a pin. Cool. It's like oh, that. That is clever. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Earrings will be next. Yeah. They were, you know, they were one of the bands that was tied in with the, the in Colorado, they really figured out how to tour these groups. So they well, they're all kind of using the Grateful Dead model in a way, yes. aren't they? Which was super successful. Yeah. I mean, their trucks were all like brand new, you know, fresh out of the factory, Peterbilt's. You know, everything was state of the state of the art because they had just oodles of money from touring, right. Well, if if you think of it in uh, geography, the the, the Grateful Dead came out of San Francisco, and then you have Colorado, that whole string band jam thing going, mm-hmm. and then the the other point was uh, the other co- side of the country on the East Coast. You had the fish, the fish world, which mm-hmm. was, you know, they were. I think they were one of the first ones to sort of pick up really intelligently how can we take that audience and make it our audience Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people i know consider themselves to be lifelong deadheads but also fish heads p-h-i-s-h yeah yeah the the mermen the west coast band um they're they wear these WWF masks. No, do they? Or whatever those masks are, they, they some kind of like a kiss kind of thing. I mean, they look like you didn't see them with their masks. I haven't seen them with masks. They look like uh, cartoon characters when they play. We're we talking see? about the same guys, the mermen. Yeah, and they do kind no, of. Like, we're not. No, you're thinking the aquabats. No, I think. no, no, no. I'm thinking mer. Maybe I'm wrong. Mermen, and they play kind of like punk surf. It's not really punk. Or, it's kind it's of a surf high energy jam, surf. surf jam music. Okay. Yeah. We're splitting hairs here. Yeah. It's it's just, I, I you know, know it's basically it. a trio, maybe a quartet. When I saw them, they had these, it was sort of from a distance, and I thought, oh, it's sort of an alien look. Well, they definitely have an alien sound. And I, I but, yeah, I, but I never saw them. Either. Then I think when I looked closely or somebody, I saw a photograph or something, they're wearing these WWF sort of like wrestling mask things or whatever it reminds me of stuff from the 60s yeah and they actually that's what they remind me of 60s yeah. you know they're very uh, playful yeah jim thomas is the guitar player for mm-hmm. the merman who is just totally amazing guy mm-hmm. jim is a master of the you know he's a guitar player he creates these looping they you know very s- sort of psychedelic guitar lines but he also like 
folds them back on itself. And, you know, back to the back to the days of looping the, with the tape loops, he's creating those things. And I had this amazing experience. This was, I, was, I have to figure it's about 20 years ago because my son, who's a little over 30 now, he was studying guitar in uh, in Arcata, and I had I interviewed Jim Thomas from the Mermen about their show and about their band, and they were coming to play in Arcata, and uh, I, I wanted Spencer was learning guitar, and I wanted him to hear this guy, and he said, well, you know. Jim, so well, just come on down. Bring your kid down to the to the uh, sound check. So we went, and while Jim was setting up all his gear, and uh, he was came and talked to us, sat down at the table, and Spencer was telling him uh, a little bit about his guitar lesson. And he said, "Well, listen, I want to try this. Here, come, go up on the stage with me." And, brings him off that stage and he hands him his guitar which is a classic fender of some kind wow and um he says just play whatever you learned in your lesson today just play some line so spencer started playing his guitar and at some point jim started taking that same sound and looping it back on itself and then He's got flange shifting and a yeah. bunch of stuff that I don't yeah. totally understand. Yeah. And, you know, before you know it, Spencer, my son, is creating this absolute wall of sound <laughs> uh, out of this guitar. It's like, and it really digging it. And, yeah. and the, the people at, the, at the, cl- the club, the restaurant, are looking at who was that kid? <laughs> That's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it was him falling into Jim Thomas's world. But, yeah, uh, the whirlpool of sound. Yeah, we'll wrap it up on the in the uh, prehistoric era. Yes, in, in our own way, but uh, enjoying life and enjoying friendship, food, music, all the good things here on Undercurrents Weekend. Thanks to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting for the support. I'm Greg McVicker. He's Bob Doran. Thank you, Bob. And it's going to be a sunny weekend, I can tell. Uh, It's just a beautiful time of year.